Good morning. What a great, great morning. Despite the snow, great morning. And thank you to any of you who are out there shoveling snow, clearing the walks this morning. God bless you. I know that uh, the snow came late. When I woke up and looked out my front window, I could still see my sidewalk in my driveway. When I pulled out, Snow had already covered the driveway, so it was a bit late, and, and that means people are coming quick and taking care of business. And I know there's many of you around here who are part of just a whole variety of teams that help keep this place clicking along, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I know some of you who are on a snow crew, you didn't have to shovel today because you're praying it's not your weekend, but those of you uh, who did push, thank you, thank you, thank you. We, uh, we heard a little bit of an, uh, a word of encouragement this morning. It was Psalm number 27. If you uh, didn't uh, know that, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is my stronghold. That is my place where I am just totally defended, my stronghold. Verse number six in Psalm 27, it says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. You ever feel surrounded? You ever feel hemmed in? It might not be a real enemy. It might be a situation. It might be a circumstance in your life where you feel totally surrounded and hemmed in. We have got a God, a Lord, who will put our, our, our heads uh, above that, above that. Psalm 27 says that uh, the Lord would, would do that. He will hide me in his shelter. My head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. And that is a fantastic, fantastic promise. And we'll be touching on that this morning, talking a little bit about being surrounded, hemmed in, and what our great, great God can do. These are promises that are amazing, amazing. Promises of God, guarantees. We've been talking a little bit about wonderful, amazing promises of God. Two Sundays back, this promise, Jesus is mine. I am his, his desire is for me. How much more amazing could it be than that? That our creator and savior, his desire would be for us. What a great, great uh, promise. And last Sunday, we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you and he will be in you. And that promise that Jesus made, and he, he made it to uh, his followers, his disciples, it came to pass just a little over six weeks after the resurrection. This wonderful promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was fulfilled. 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit on the feast day of Pentecost, the, the Jewish festival day. And Peter 
one of Jesus' closest companions, said, this promise, it's not just limited. It's not, it's not exclusive to those 120. No, he said, this promise is for you. He said it to a crowd of thousands. But not only you, that initial crowd, but to as many who are far off that God would call to himself. All who would come to believe in Jesus, this promise is there. And last week, the service, we brought it to a close with this urging, with this urging to fan the flame of the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. Paul the Apostle had urged his protege, Timothy, fan that flame, Timothy, this gift that was given to you when I laid hands on you and prayed over you. So, Let's do that. Let's continue to fan that flame of the gift that's within us. Stir up that gift of the Holy Spirit in you. I want to continue that urging this morning. The urging to fan the flame of the gift of the Holy Spirit within you. Just as uh, Paul said to Timothy, let's look at the, the verse we touched on last week just to be reminded of it. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Paul said this, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? This is the spirit of God. The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, not an abusive power, love and self-discipline. So we're following biblical instruction and example to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, to live Holy Spirit-directed lives. And this morning, I want to aim to just continue that urging in you to keep that flame burning, to fan it up, to stir up the gift that's within you, to use the great gift of the Holy Spirit that God put into you. And I want to begin with an illustration from the Old Testament. I've said it before. It's worth repeating. The Old Testament is all about Jesus and his people, us, the church. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The writings and the prophecies of the Old Testament, they have their fulfillment in Christ and in his body. That's us, the believers who make up his church. This morning from the Old Testament, an illustration that we can use to apply to being Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-filled people of God, to live Holy Spirit-led lives. We begin in uh, the second book of Kings, chapter 6. You could put your thumb there or cue up your electronic device to 2 Kings, chapter 6. I give you just a little brief background about the account that we'll be touching on this morning. In 2 Kings 6, uh, there's an account of Syria at war with Israel. This, this book of Kings, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, these give us history of the kings of Judah and Israel and some of the prophets that dealt with the kings. In 2 Kings 6, Syria's at war with Israel. There is a prophet to Israel. His name is Elisha. 
And he began to warn the king of Israel, King Joram, about these attacks of the Syrian army. Elisha would say, hey, King Joram, they're going to come over here or they're going to be over there. And so what the king would do is he would go protect that place where the Syrians would be attacking. And it became so frequent that the king of Syria was enraged. How in the world does Israel know where we're going to be attacking every time we come to attack? He thought he had a spy in the ranks of his officers. And he brought them together. Where's the mole? And they all, they all pled innocent. It's not us, king. It's not. No, this is. We're not telling Israel where the attack is going to be. We are loyal to you, king. Have you ever heard of Elisha, the prophet? It's Elisha. And here's what they told the king. He knows what's going on. Elisha even knows what you say in the privacy of your bedroom. That's how much God tells him. So, the Syrian king thought, how am I going to solve this problem? He plotted to capture Elisha. So, he sent his troops by night. Think about that, though, for a minute. Elisha already knows every time you're going to come. (laughs) But the king plots to capture Elisha, as if he wouldn't know. Well, the king of Syria sends his troops by night to a city called Dothan, where Elisha was making his home. Early in the next morning, Elisha's servant rose from his bed and he saw this Syrian army had surrounded the city. And he cried out in fear, Oh no! What shall we do? He saw the city surrounded and his response was fearful. What shall we do? Now let's Look at 2 Kings chapter 6 to see how Elisha responded. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. Elisha responded, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I want to repeat that. The prophet answered, Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The remainder of this chapter, chapter 6 of 2 Kings, it tells us of a victory. And it's not the victory of the Syrian army. No. It's the victory of Elisha, who single-handedly, or I suppose we could say he had his servant there, his servant who had been cowering in fear. But Elisha led that Syrian army from Dothan to the capital of Israel, And he presented them to King Joram. Elisha's servant had feared defeat. But Elisha assured him, 
Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. They only had two. Two in number. Elisha and his servant. But the Lord opened the eyes of the servant. And he saw all around him the Lord's army, the army of God. Now what played out here in in 2 Kings chapter 6 what in the New Testament is confirmed in the letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 6. Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And that's really hard to say when you see yourself surrounded by flesh and blood. But Paul wrote, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Elisha's servant looked all around, and what he saw was flesh and blood. He saw horses, and he saw the chariots of the enemy, and he was surrounded, hemmed in by the Syrian army. His eyes saw the natural. He was outnumbered, completely enclosed. It appeared to be an entirely impossible situation. What of it? He was outdone. Oh, no! This is his cry. Oh, no! His response was fear. What shall we do? And what were Elisha's first words to him? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then this this beautiful assurance. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who who are with us, Elisha and his servant, this was a spiritual army that was with Elisha and his servant. More than the natural army of the Syrians. And then he prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And of course, his prayer was answered. The servant saw, oh, they were in good hands. In the thick of a natural situation. In the thick of a trial where it seems impossible. A physical trial where You might feel completely surrounded by material, real, flesh and blood enemy. Do we see like Elisha saw? He saw, even though it was this real, physical, in the natural problem, he saw through it to the spiritual. And he knew, he knew, and he saw the power of Almighty God at his disposal. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And he prayed. God made it known to his servant. So Christians, are you struggling? Are you having any issue where you feel like it's impossible, where you're surrounded, even if it's a flesh and blood fight, even if it's a flesh and blood uh, struggle in the natural What are you saying to that situation? What are you saying in response to it? Is it, oh no? Oh no, what am I going to do? 
What shall we do? Are you forgetting that at your disposal is the power of God? See, the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. When you're having that oh no moment, oh no, what am I going to do? Remember, you have at your disposal the strength and the might of the army of God. As a matter of fact, you have more strength and more power at your disposal than that army of God. You have at your disposal the source of that strength of the army of God. You have at your disposal the source of the might of that army of God. And what is the source of that strength and power of the army of God? But God himself. At your disposal, you have the power of Almighty God. Hey, let that sink in for a minute. Take that in. Let it penetrate your innermost heart and soul. How can it be? How can it be that you have at your disposal the power of Almighty God? Well, I want to tell you how. I want to tell you how you can have more power at your disposal than the army that Elisha's servant saw. And it's not just a presence, not just a presence all around. It's an inhabitation, an inhabitation of God Almighty. John's Gospel, chapter 14, it records the words of Jesus promising this, promising the inhabitation of the Holy Spirit. He lives with you. He'll be in you. Jesus said, this it is. He's with you. He'll be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going to leave. But listen, you won't be alone. And it's not going to be the Spirit of God just next to you or around you, but in you. And then Jesus said, John 14, verse 20, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now that's an amazing promise. And these words of Jesus, they, they give us an emphasis of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and their oneness. And Jesus declared it, that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit is yours. He'll be in you. Now, on the day that that promise was received, he said, you'll realize it. And they did realize it. Jesus, he had reminded his, his followers, that day, that day, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And when he ascended into heaven, he said, go and wait for it. Go and wait for this promise. Because it's, it's close. Go into Jerusalem and Wait. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power from on high. This promise of the Holy Spirit, it was fulfilled. We know it, and we know that it wasn't just to the followers of Jesus, but to everyone who would come to believe in Christ. 
And that's why I asked you, I put the question last week, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? It's important. It is important. This is not something insignificant. And it's a biblical question. Again, look at Acts chapter 19. I repeat what I said last week. The question is there in Acts 19. We can ask it to ourselves. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Are you answering in the affirmative? And if so, then walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Because life on this earth, it'll bring seasons and times and circumstances that will tempt you to say, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? What shall I do? And that's been the case. That's been the case in the natural world since the fall of mankind. But Jesus promised help. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you alone. You will receive this power. I'll be with you and in you. The power of God in you. Man, that is just, it's, it's beyond comprehension. Elisha's servants saw this power of God all around. But you are the temples of the Holy Spirit. The temples of the very Holy Spirit of God, the, the, the creator. He abides in you. Yet, it seems that sometimes we live as, it, as if it just isn't a fact, as if it isn't so, as if we didn't have the power of God. Oh, we can be struck with fear and with anxiety and worry like that servant of Elisha and be saying, oh, no, oh, no. But that doesn't need to happen. We don't have to live as oh, no people. The New Testament writers exhort us in the power of God. And I want to give you an example of that this morning. And we want to consider an example from the Apostle John. And and this parallels, it parallels this incident somewhat of Elisha and his servant. But it takes it to a grander and fuller place. John was an apostle of Christ. He, he wrote uh, a gospel. He wrote three letters. He wrote Revelation, which is also technically a, a, a letter. He became a leader, a pastor or a bishop over the church in Ephesus. Now, like Paul, who wrote a letter to the Ephesian church reminding them that their struggle is not against flesh and blood. We read, that, we read that verse today, Ephesians 6, 12. Paul was writing that to this church in Ephesus. Your struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the devil's schemes and spiritual forces of the world. John wrote similar things in his letters. And his recipients were the same people, the, the church in Ephesus. And John used the word to generalize, in a sense, all the schemes of the evil one, all these spiritual forces of evil and uh, in the unseen realm. And the word that John used was world. In the first letter that John wrote, 
the word world is used over a dozen times. And you will find in 1 John, if you read it, things like this. Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, they don't come from God, but from the world. If you love the world, the love of God is not in you. Of Christians, John wrote, the world does not know you. Even further, the world hates you. The world hates you Christians. False prophets are in the world. Antichrists are in the world. The spirit of antichrists in the world. The whole world, John wrote, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Why did John put such emphasis on the world and uh, the evil in the world? Because the church in Ephesus, it was struggling. It was feeling the strain and the pressure and the influence of the world that John wrote about. It was feeling the pressure of antichrists and it was feeling the pressure of false prophets and false teachings. It was feeling the pressure of hate. The world hates you. The culture was pressing in all around. A, a, a surrounding, if you will, threatening the very foundations of Christianity and their faith. And we shouldn't be surprised then that the world would be doing the same to us. We should not be surprised to find ourselves in struggles against the evil in the world. We should not be shocked to find ourselves struggling against the evil one. Your faith might be challenged. You may be in a crisis of faith. You may have some kind of moral dilemma. But we can look to John's letter and we can find hope. His letter wasn't just all doom and gloom about evil in the world and being hated. No, his letter also had hope and optimism. And hope and optimism, especially, especially when you're feeling this, this pressure of the false prophets, the deceit, the lies, the spirit of the Antichrist, all of it, especially when that's pressing in and hemming in to the point where you feel surrounded. And you, 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 you might be tempted to say, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? John wrote great hope. Nearing the close of his letter, John wrote, God gave us a spirit, his spirit. And his Holy Spirit lives in us. In the world, there's false prophets. They are the spirit of the Antichrist. And all the lies and the deceits. But you can overcome. You can overcome. As a matter of fact, you already have. Battle is not against flesh and blood. But John put it this way. John wrote, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4. You, dear children, are from God. And you have overcome them. Who is the them? You've overcome the antichrists. You've overcome the false teachers. You've overcome the false prophets. You've overcome the hate and the vile that has come against you. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. You have overcome them. 
Because, and this is the great turn, here's some wonderful hope. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And there's a great contrast there. We know what he's talking about because he put world in there over a dozen times. When he says the world, we know what he means when he's talking about the one who is in the world. He had wrote, the evil one is in control of the world. That's the evil one. And how can that evil and evil one be overcome? John wrote, it's already done. It's already done. Remember the servant of Elisha. He was surrounded and he was afraid because he only saw what was there in the natural situation that seemed impossible. But Elisha said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. But you, you Christian who are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can say what Elisha said and more. You can say what Elisha said with a far greater assurance. You can say, I am from God. Can you say that this morning? Can you believe it in your heart? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit that you can say what John wrote? You dear children are from God. I am from God. I have a story. This is my story. Can that be your testimony today? Don't be slinking into this, oh no, what am I going to do? The one who is in me is more. The one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. That's beyond just seeing all that's around me. I have the power of Almighty God within me. The evil one. The whole world's under his control. The evil one is powerful. Yes, we know that. Paul wrote, His power as rulers and authorities, the powers of this dark world, the power of the spiritual forces of evil, it doesn't matter. The strength and the magnitude and the power of the evil one. You know why? His power is limited. It's limited. It is under almighty God. It is a lesser power. It is a subservient power to the power of the one who is in you. And do you believe that this morning? Do you live that this morning? You have access to more. You have access to more strength. You have access to more power. The spirit of the living God abides in you. We have to live like that. While the world's under the control of the evil one, we have the power and the might and the strength of the Holy Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit of God is a gift. It's a beautiful gift, a wonderful gift. And the word of God tells us, it doesn't make us timid or or fearful. But the Spirit endues us with power from on high to overcome this world. It's a greater power than the devil. It's a greater power than Satan. Power to overcome lies and deceits and falsehoods of the evil one. Power to overcome temptation when you're getting pulled and stressed and strained. Power of the Spirit of the living God. The living, resurrected Jesus living in you. Are you under any pressure this morning? Do you feel hemmed in by a trial, a situation of life? Are you dealing with something that seems impossible? You're not going to be able to get over that, that mountain. 
feel like you're encircled, surrounded. God Almighty who lives in you can lift you up above it. Like we heard earlier from Psalm 27, my head above the enemies that surround me. Take hold of that strength today. Take hold of that power today. Take hold of it. It resides in you who say with affirmation, yes, I have received the Holy Spirit since I believed. You know, fan up that gift. Fan up the the, the gift of the Spirit of God living in you. The power of the resurrected Jesus Christ dwells in you. Fan the flame. Stir up the gift. More of the Holy Spirit. Use the gift of the Holy Spirit within you and you can overcome any temptation. Even when you feel you're surrounded. You know, you can turn that, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? You can turn it on its head and say, oh yes, I have overcome. Let that be your attitude when something smacks you in the face, when some surprise situation comes into your life. Don't be saying, oh no, say, oh yes. I have overcome. Remember John 4, uh, 1 John 4, chapter, or, or verse 4, that you are children of God. I am of God. I have overcome. Greater is the one in me. The one in me is greater than the one in the world. Live that. Know it. Let it be Uh, giving you confidence when you're out there in the world and you feel like you're overcome. Thank you, God. The greater one is in me. Thank you, God. That his power is far greater, infinitely greater than the one in the world. Ah, make make it your declaration this morning. Let's pray as as we go. And again, I'm just gonna say, if, if you can't answer the question, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Make it so. We'll pray for you. I explained it last week, but we'll pray for you and ask for that great gift to be given you. Let's let's stand and pray in the presence of Almighty God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for everything, for all that you've done you've done, for the gifts that you've given, for the strength and the power and the might that you've poured out upon us by the power of your spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we can say, I am of God. I have overcome the world because of your Holy Spirit. Lord, Lord, for anyone who's in this sanctuary this morning, anyone who's joining online, God, if they're feeling like they're in this oh no impossible situation, God, if there's any fear or anxiety or worry, Lord, I just pray. Like Elisha prayed for his servant, Lord, that you would not only open physical eyes, but open the eyes of our hearts to know and be assured and believe we have the spirit of God. And we are overcomers, overcoming the power of the evil one in any situation presented to us. God, grant that confidence and that assurance. And God, if there's any who haven't even 
yielded their life to Jesus. God, I just pray in the, in the name of Jesus, the powerful name of our Savior, that there'd be a, a, a heart turning to you this morning. There would be a complete turnaround to say, I, I desire that. I desire that, that the redemption that Christ has offered and the infilling of his living spirit. Thank you for it, God. Thank you for it. May your blessing reside upon everyone here as they go. Carry them and give them that assurance today, tomorrow, and every day in the future. The one greater is in them than the one in the world. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. We ask it all in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen.